Hi guys, it's Jerry and Diane. Welcome to episode three of The Nursing Handover. Hope you're all doing fine. We're still in quarantine season. I hope you've all been adhering to quarantine rules. And as you know, lockdown isn't changing anytime soon. So I hope only our essential workers are leaving the house and everyone else is staying on their bums on in their sofas doing what they're supposed to be doing <laughs> and going out for your essential track your oh, let me start again going for your hour walks or your hour of exercise outside so on this blessed sunny good friday we've got a lot to talk about a lot that's happened in this past week that we've been dying to discuss on this episode, I think, of, of all of them. This is, I think, the juiciest one. <laughs> Do you think so? Yeah, there's a lot to say. Like, when so you, much has happened. Say, yeah, there's a, so much to say that, yeah. And things are changing literally every day yes. that you can't keep up. So we're trying to give you guys the most update information that we have. Yes. But depending on when this episode actually airs, things might have changed by then. Exactly, but... As far as you guys know, this tea is hot. It's piping. So get your cup, sit there, grab a hot cross bun and prepare to be entertained. Yes, 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 yes. (laughs) (laughs) But, well, let's get into it. First topic of conversation, PPE. So for people who are not nursing or not medical at all, PPP is personal protective equipment, which you've probably heard about all over the news. The main thing that we're saying is if you're going out to work, you should be given adequate PPE. So I hope that your places of work are giving you guys that. Otherwise, what can you do? You can't come and kill yourself. For who? The people that are chilling in the park, not adhering to rules. No, 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 no. We've got lives. We've got families that we need to protect also. Exactly. And to kind of break it down into layman's terms... For example, let's say you have a child or baby and they need their nappy done. You're not going to go into it with no wipes to clean their bottom. You're not not just going to start wiping with your hands. You need the wipe to clean the poo. Pretty much. Plain and simple. The same way if you're going to drive a car... You need the key. You need the key. How else are you going to get anywhere without the key? And these are key things that you need to be able to do your job effectively. Right. And this is the whole point with why the emphasis is on PPE in healthcare. The emphasis why you might hear it's like a running theme in the episodes, especially in the quarantine pandemic season, is because the lack of PPE is leading to an increase in infected healthcare professionals, which is preventable if they have access to the right equipment, which they can have access to if our government acted accordingly and in a timely fashion. Yeah. Did you see the article, the Metro article, like a day ago? I don't know. Don't worry. That's why I'm here. (laughs) So the Metro article... You know? (laughs) The Metro article showed these nurses, a group of them in a picture, and they basically said that they had to use bin bags as PPE... Mate, don't get me started. I know this is probably more American than UK. So I was looking, was watching Facebook, you know, that's also giving me my updates. And the CDC was saying that nurses and healthcare could use bandanas or equivalents. So what did I do? I hollered at my friend who's now moved back to the States. She's a nurse. And she was saying like, yeah, that's what they've said. 
you can use a bandana or a scarf as an equivalent to protect yourself from this as your nursing patients. Are you mad? Are you mad? The thing, this, this is the thing that frustrates me. We are professionals. We belong to a professional body. We are accountable for our actions. How are we supposed to go into a patient environment where the patient is high risk and very unwell and we are too being put at risk every time we're going to nurse that patient and we're expected to wear cloth. Cloth, common cloth that I wear on my head to sleep. Cloth that you can buy in the hair shop and just tie it around your mouth and that's supposed to be safe. How? My, my question is, will the chief executive go in cloth? Ask me again. Or would they want to be in the full PPE? Ask me again. Because that's, that's, that's my issue, is the government are spouting a lot of support for the NHS, stay at home, you know, think of the NHS. This is the public message that they keep on pushing and driving. But behind the scenes, what are they doing to keep the NHS running? What are they doing to protect the healthcare professionals that they need for this bus to keep moving? Because at the end of the day, the sick are still getting sick. There's still more to come. You know, you like we haven't even hit the curve yet. No. And, you know, hence why this whole business of the lockdown still having to be extended because the peak hasn't been reached. And what are we going to do? You know, we have started accessing Nightingale Hospital. The first patients have started going in there now. Have they? Because we were yeah. wondering this. They started sure. going in there. You know, it'll be a matter of time before you hear them say, oh, well, that's full now. And then what? I don't want to be the prophet of doom. But we have to kind of look at the bigger picture all the time. You're always having to risk assess every single time. Yeah. And as nurses, you as nurses, you always risk assess because you look at a situation and you think, okay, so I need to do this task. How am I going to do it? What's best? What's the best time to do it? If I do it now, how does it affect the rest of the day? Or if I don't do it at this point, will I get around to doing it? You're always assessing all the time. Yeah. That's like your bread and butter. Yeah. And I kind of feel like, why should a nurse have to assess every shift? Oh, I don't know if I should be going there because I don't know if I'm going to have enough PPE. And that shouldn't be your problem. PPE yeah. should be provided without a doubt. And for me, what I want to say on the, on the matter is, my mantra will be, I cannot see without PPE. Amen. Preach it. If you don't have PPE, you should not be put in a situation where you are at risk. You are as important as a person on the hospital bed. And if they lose you, they've lost healthcare, which who's, who else is going to look after it? Like, I know we also get, there's two sides to every coin. And someone could say, like, nursing, but it's a revolving belt. They'll just move someone else from a different apartment into your place. But who has the skills that you have? Yes. And every nurse is valuable. And every nurse, every medic, you know, every therapist, everybody's equally important we all make the big jigsaw we all fit each puzzle piece mm -hmm. you know to make the big picture so it's not fair that some some groups should sacrifice yeah for example because oh you know it's your duty of care and you're just expected to do it so therefore go ahead mm -hmm. at what cost My you know I and think so. i think this is and this is the issue where a lot of nurses on Instagram, are talking about the hero complex. Oh. And I think this leads very nicely into our clap for our heroes, clap for the NHS. Boy, oh boy. How do you feel about clap for the NHS, clap for our heroes? Wait, before we start this, I'm just going to put this out there. I love my job. I'm not trying to be a hero. I'm just trying to go in, do my day job, slash night job, and go home. 
Why am I being a hero? Why am I being a martyr? I just came to do what I needed to do. Mm-hmm. And now everyone everywhere is labelling me as the hero. Oh, you're out there saving lives. But but let's just like be realistic. Were we not nursing last year? Were we not nursing the year before? As in, so did you clap last year on first day at 8 o'clock? No, last year at 8 o'clock you were complaining to me at the nursing station why your child hasn't been seen. Or why there's a long wait to see a doctor. So to answer Gigi's question, how I feel about it, I feel like the clapping every Thursday is a way to pacify the public. It's got to be 100%. It's, it is and and now a novelty. Don't get me wrong. I'm not discrediting it. And I'm thankful people are now realising the hard work that we do. But how long will it last? You can't keep clapping every week. Like, are we in the Hunger Games? Are we now victors for people are breaking, where we live? People are even breaking spoons. Clap, they're hitting their pan so hard every Thursday. But you're clapping every Thursday, but are you staying home? Ooh. Well, that's this, that, this is the problem, though, is you need to practice what you preach. You can't clap for the NHS and say, we're so proud and we're, we're so honoured and you're doing an amazing job and you're so amazing and you're all heroes and gosh, the sacrifice. And that's a, a word that's being used so much. And I feel like it's a media buzzword that they're trying to kind of label nurses like the nightingales of the era, you know, of the 2020 decade. And gosh, they're, they're, they're doing such a life-saving thing. And let's not get me wrong. Yes, What's going on right now is basically life or death. Mm-hmm. And we are preserving life in very stressful, strenuous, underfunded times. But this is not a sacrifice. This is our job. This is what we train to do. We walked in this profession by choice. We chose to do it. Yeah. And we're doing a job that we've done every single day since all of us have qualified. Be it the doctor, be it the consultant, be it the nurse, be it the HCA, be it the occupational therapist... Like, we're still having to do our daily jobs. Yeah. You know, like I said to Gigi, it's not as if an accountant has donned scrubs and is doing intubation. And intubation, I mean, that's when they sedate a patient and they need to put a breathing tube down their their throat. Saying that, did I show you the article about the... What's his name? The Irish Prime Minister. Yes. He's trained as a GP and he's gone back to do... Even though it's one... Um, one day a week, one one shift a week, one day a week, one shift a week. He's also out here on the front lines, just like us. Yeah, that's really. I think that's really sweet. I think it just also shows is a testament to his character and also a testament to the fact that once a healthcare professional, you're always a healthcare professional. Whatever you may go into after, you know that you can't see people suffer, and you know you'd want to go back and help. Yeah, and the oath, you know, the oath is the oath, and doctors take a Hippocratic oath. Nurses, you have a duty of care. We belong to the nursing body, the nursing midwifery council. We are registrants. We, you know, we renew our registration every year. Mm -hmm. So you're always accountable. And I think there's always that nature in you that to want to go and help. So I definitely commend the Irish Prime Minister because, you know, not many people in such a position would even think, I want to throw myself into the fire, essentially. And put himself at risk. Yeah. And also, there's another article about the cardiac surgeon that went back he started doing nursing intensive well started doing nursing intensive care shifts and he said like obviously during this pandemic and he's gone on to say that this is like it's really opened his eyes because he'd usually do the surgery and leave whereas now he's seeing the befores and the after effects and seeing how much the nurses truly do 
and how much of their work carries on throughout that he's so grateful mm. boy but no I just really hope that people are staying home I just think we need a strong, stronger lockdown for, to put these measures in place because people are still going to the park meeting up with friends there's nowhere to go but so I don't understand why these people are, are still meeting up to go yeah but you have to understand that when you tell someone no the desire to do more is always there. It's a shame. And if they didn't say anything, maybe people would be so scared that they would just stay inside. I honestly wish, like, we could show these people what it's what it's like when you come to hospital and the different things that are going on. Because I don't think until people... It's just going to sound really mean, but until people close to them have passed from this, people will not take this seriously. But why should it have to come to that? I mean, enough people have died, enough people have cried... Enough families have issued statements talking about more? their experience. So I don't know how much more real it can get before somebody says, my goodness, this isn't a joke. This isn't a conspiracy. This is very, very real. Yeah. Um, going on about like people, obviously we know that this week Boris Johnson deteriorated at home and was obviously taken into a London hospital. And there's a big debate about that because... Because he was unwell, he was then transferred to intensive care, but didn't require the intensive care equipment. So a ventilator, he was just taken there as a precaution. Now, a lot of people that I work with, you know, have been openly outraged because anybody that is familiar with a hospital and in terms of like bed management and how things are right now, you would never just give a bed because you think somebody's going to deteriorate. Yeah. You know, it's usually in an emergency where Once that's happened. they've they've collapsed and you're trying to kind of stabilise and maintain the airway and then you make the decision there and then, okay, they need intensive care. But Boris has was moved to an intensive care bed just in case. Another issue is this then initiated this clap for Boris. Yeah. Now, I understand he's our leader, he's the prime minister... And having a public figure like him unwell is worrying. And I think I think it could probably rock people who look to him for stability. If he's now unwell and whatever, I guess some people are going to feel like, oh my God, the yeah. Prime Minister's sick. Now, but, one thing I would say, hmm? him being sick did scare people. That's what, I'm, that's what I was going to say. Because I think seeing him essentially go down has opened people's eyes to be like, oh, like this actually is Yeah, serious. and sick enough to be hospitalised because we already knew that he was having symptoms and he'd been tested and he was positive. So we already knew that information. But seeing him have to go into hospital almost made it more real for some people. And I could see messaging family members or friends and looking at it onto different um, platforms on social media, people generally being like, oh crap, like Boris is in hospital. Like this guy could die. Like this mm-hmm. is really, really bad. Now what makes me upset is this clap for Boris because... Boris is not the only positive patient. What about all the other patients before he was admitted? Why haven't we clapped for them? Or the ones that have died. We haven't clapped for these people. But we're going to clap for Boris. You know, and and again, I don't want to take away from people that probably have listened and clapped for him because he was the he's the Prime Minister. I don't want to, you know, rubbish that or, or discredit that. But he's one person of the thousands that are losing their lives on a daily basis, mind you. But yet he has been like shrouded in this clap for Boris. 
And, you know, I'd, I'd love to be a fly on the wall and see what's going on around him. How mm. different he's being treated compared to other patients. Is the care different? Is the attention different? Well, it shouldn't be. You should be able should be giving everyone 110% of your care. 100%. I mean... However, he, let's be honest, he's the Prime Minister, so he's going to have special treatment. Yeah, I mean, already the fact he was moved into an intensive care bed without needing a ventilator already shows you the, priori- the prioritisation for him was so much more different. Yeah. You know? And... Every hospital has different protocols and different processes and they have like different stages where they escalate care. So I'm not denying that the right steps were taken. I'm not on the ward. I'm not nursing this patient, not nursing Boris directly. Mm. But I just feel like how fair is the treatment that he's got in comparison to everyone else that's had the virus? Yeah. You know, did they all get the same escalation of care? Well, we can only hope so. So... I kind of feel like that in itself, is that now going to be a staple routine till he comes out of hospital? We continue clapping. When was his clap? I think it's today. Oh, really? Either today or... It's it's definitely going to happen because there was a clap for Boris and there's all these people putting up signs, get well, Boris, get well, Boris, all his pictures up everywhere. People people posting him. And it was the day he was the breaking news and moving to intensive care. That was like Monday... I'm not sure. The days are all merging into one in quarantine. But Tell me about I just it. remember when it broke as breaking news, it was everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. All the alerts came through. Every Instagram, every Facebook, every Twitter, you just saw breaking news, breaking news. Even so, Donald Trump, like, said it on one of his speeches, like, my good friend Boris. Like, yeah, but you know Donald he Trump, well. he jumped on any wagon for attention and he got the attention, didn't he? Of course. So, Yeah. Have you seen the increase in death total of the TFL workers? I can't lie to you. Because of the amount of negativity, and I've also been working, I try not to look at how many people die because it can drain you. Oh, so much. In in that sense. So I try to kind of partition when I look, how often I look, and then close, the, close that for that week, for example. So I haven't seen the death toll of TFL workers, no. Fair enough. But I think it's, that's probably a very good thing. Because, like, last week I had to turn off social media and I did couldn't listen to the news anymore because I just needed a break from coronavirus. Yeah. Because it's driving me crazy. You I, go to work, I, it's coronavirus. You go home, it's coronavirus. You step outside, it's coronavirus. We yeah. need one day of just... No more news. But or there news. isn't any news. That's because nothing's happening. Everything's stopped. But I feel like to protect each other and protect yourselves, you kind of have to allocate, okay, every Monday I'm going to watch the news and then that's it. Yeah. Because the news isn't going to be different on Wednesday. No. Unless you're somebody that likes numbers and likes statistics and you want to do percentages and work out who died and when they died and whatnot, great. Because there's a lot of numbers on the news. And there's a running death toll and there's all these websites that are working out the percentages in different countries, then, yeah, go ahead. But if you want to kind of, I guess, protect your peace, condition yourself in a way that is kind and safe for your mental health. Yeah. And don't overflow yourself with so much because it is very overwhelming and we don't have outlets like we did before where, yeah, it could be your friends. Or, yeah, it could be an activity or it could be going somewhere that 
reminds you of good things whatever we don't have those things anymore so you kind of have to utilize yourself and your skills i feel and that's where having like a strong support network whether it, like having both whether it's a nursing midwifery doctors you know hospital one essentially and your non-medical friends mm. so that you know when your non-medical friends are asking you all these questions about it you can run to us and be like oh they're driving me crazy and vice versa yeah. Just so that you can take a break. And I would also say, like, if there are non-medical friends who constantly ask their healthcare professional friends questions... Cut them off. Okay, is, maybe not. Like, not. sometimes things are different. So if you're paediatric trained, you may not know a lot about adults, yeah. first of all. And the information that you may get from your friend, you can get from the World Health Organization. You can get it from Public Health England. You can just turn on the news. But, like, the proper, proper guidance. Because the news is the news. The news, That's they true. need to sell. They need buzzwords. They need to scare people. They need to almost put fear into you to keep watching. Because you're so scared, you just want to keep knowing what's happening. Because you yeah. need to keep on top of it. Whereas if you're going for, on looking for guidance, it's telling you exactly what you need to do, how you need to do it, how you need to manage it. And that's what you need to know. Mm. You know? And that's why I say, like, if you're not sure, if you feel you don't want to bombard, bombard someone that you know by asking so many questions, just go on those websites, World Health Organization, and that's always abbreviated as WHO, and just go on Public Health England because it's all there. Yeah. And just feed feed your brain of the right information that is appropriate for you, for your household. And even if it means educating other people and saying, Do you know what, I don't know, but yeah. check this website. Like, they have everything there. Like, that's what I go to, you know, promote those things. So you can almost relieve the weight on you because it's hard enough going to work if you're a nurse or a doctor or a therapist or a health visitor or a community nurse and you're going into this environment where you're constantly on demand because you are, from the minute you start your shift to the end, you are constantly needed and you're having questions and dealing with this person and dealing with that and then having to go home and then it's like, oh, but did you know about this? And what happens about that and did you this and so what do I do if this happens to me and you don't know all the answers and you're not going to diagnose somebody over the phone no you know so protect your peace I would say I think my immediate family know to just cut it off the moment I come through the door unless you're dying don't come to me (laughs) they're gonna hear this they will but they but they know this like, we'll still talk about it, but you know, once when I come through work, you ask me how my day is. I say it's fine, we keep it moving until later on, once I've chilled out, or the following day, and then we can talk about it. That mm. moment in time, I just, you know, I can't do it. So, talking about being fed up or not sharing, um, the issue that is also a recurring topic in. I would say nursing circles, medical circles, um, therapy circles, and also in community settings is um, the redeployment and movement of nurses. So we ha- I think we've mentioned in other episodes before mm. that nurses are kind of split into different branches. So when you choose to nurse, you can be an adult nurse, you can be a pediatric nurse, a mental health nurse, or a learned disability nurse. Those are, your, yeah, your branches. And you can also be a midwife. Yeah. Because midwives also listen to us too. So you can be a midwife. So when you practice, you practice for three years generally. And then if you do your 
um, postgraduate, is it diploma? That's like two years accelerated. So they kind of yeah. pack it in. They pack the three years into two years. Because you still have to complete the hours, but anyway. Yeah. yeah. So you're then registered to nurse in those branches. Now, because of the situation and because of the shortage of medics and nurses, and I just want to highlight, we are short 40,000 nurses. Prior to all of this. So because of the situation, paediatric wards um, accident emergency departments their services are seeing a big drop in attendance of the of pediatric patients yeah so because of that they're now being ferried to adult services to support that workforce because of course they're inundated with patients yeah and let's be honest there is more adult patients uh, like sicker adult patients than pediatric patients at this moment in time not saying that there isn't any children that are unwell, there are. But adults is far surpassing us more than anything else. Yeah, so I mean... So they need the more support right now than, yeah, than if, we do. Yeah, if you look at like a paediatric accident emergency, hardly anyone's coming in. Yeah, like we've been... Like I've had nights that we've barely had anyone. They're so we're going in. over to support our adult colleagues. Now, the issue that keeps coming up a lot is nurses having to look after adult patients and not very not feeling competent because it's or not confident. their branch of nursing. Yeah. Um being put in an environment where there's fear already because you you already know you're in the exposed environment, you're in the environment where the virus is. I think that's the first thing. Number two, being somewhat threatened, I think some nurses have mentioned mm. that if they don't go, if they refuse to go, they'll be disciplined. I think that's the big thing at the moment because I know s- certain people in other trusts have have come out and said that their management has said if you don't if you do not if you refuse to go point blank you will be disciplined or you can take it as annual leave. Why should don't that be your only two options? Like your staff, if you're saying that your staff have to go over and help, why are you not giving them basic training on what to look for? Don't get me wrong. If you, wherever you go, you can see a deteriorating patient and recognise that. But in terms with what's going on now is, you're, look, you're you have, if you've gone to, if you've been redeployed to the ward, you have your own patients. And if you're a paediatric nurse, your vital signs are from the age of naught to 19. Anything else, well, naught to 16 or whatever, depending on what type of paediatric setting you work in, anything out of those ranges, you would not know. And I think another thing that people are finding quite difficult is, well, essentially the workload because you're used to having three, four patients at one time and you've gone to this adult ward and you've now been given seven patients in a bay or seven or eight patients in a bay plus two side rooms. That's the workload you are not, you're not used to. And these patients could also be on non-invasive ventilation. Um, and what that means is, for example, they may need assistance breathing but they don't need the breathing tube being put down. So if you haven't come across that in your training or in your or in your normal day-to-day work, how are you supposed to know how to do all of this? Mm. And people aren't helping you because, let's be honest, from what I've gathered, A&E seems to be the most, seems to be the place with the most staff at this moment in time because everyone keeps going off sick. And obviously a and I'm not just bringing it up because that's my background, but... You're a jack of all trades. You know a bit of this, a bit of that, like a bit of everything. 
And you kind of just model him through and take what you get. So at this moment in time, everywhere else is falling quite short because you've got staff off sick, whether they're self-isolating or family members are isolating. What can you do? So you have to support one way or another. But I think it's it would be nice if you could be told prior. I think it's it varies because sometimes you may want to be told prior that you're going to an adult ward or going to a completely different ward and then you become, it becomes uneasy, then, you know, you suddenly fall sick. Or wait till the handover and, you know, you get thrown. So I was talking to one of my other friends who works in Piku. And she was saying, I think usually on their day-to-day staff, they've got seven nurses. Four of them go to ICU, adult ICU, and the other three stay on paediatric intensive care. And they don't get to find out until handover. Which I think a bit, kind of sometimes probably can sting more than anything else. Mm. but I think it's just quite a difficult thing at this moment in time I just think you if you not even just paediatric nurses adult nurses too if you're being redeployed to other wards that you are not comfortable with I think this is where you need to stand up and say I need some support I'm happy to help happy to do what is within my remit but anything else I'm going to come to you for help I'm going to ask for assistance because it's just not something I've encountered obviously you're you're there to help but would, I wouldn't put yourself at risk. Why would you do that? I just think this is the time that, you know, if you're being essentially forced or pushed to do something that you don't want to do per se, you need to have a stern think, a stern think and think, is this something I can do? I'm here to help. Is this something I can learn? Like, if I don't feel safe, what can I do to make the situation safe? Or how could I speak to the nursing manager of that particular ward for, to ask for assistance? Because if it's not what you what you do in normal day-to-day life, how are you supposed to know? Let's be honest, even for our adult colleagues, once you've specialised and you've gone into your specific wards, unless you're someone that ward hops, you know, you're the jack of... You know what you know. So if you're mm. a respiratory nurse, you know respiratory inside and out. If you're a stroke nurse, you know stroke inside and out. So if you're a stroke nurse that's now been moved to respiratory, you're going to find it uneasy. Mm. So I think this is the time that, you know, you've got to look at the skills you have and see where you can, tr- how you can transfer it to the new place that you're going to be working in and also asking for the assistance. I don't think, I don't think anyone should feel shame or anything like that in asking for help because people's lives are literally in your hands. You want to feel safe and want to feel like you can deliver the best care you can. Yes. Um, just to add to that, so I don't want anyone to think that nurses are just being thrown into these environments. So from what our fellow nursing colleagues say, they're being given induction days into the new environments. They're being given online e-learning and some competencies. So skills that they kind of need them to pass so they can be safe in that environment. Now, on the Nursing Midwifery Council website, they talk a lot about how nurses should conduct themselves in like an unfamiliar environment if it's not their branch and they're being redeployed or they've been moved to kind of support the the workforce. And they they recommend what is recommended anyway, even if you're in your branch, which is firstly using professional judgment, and secondly assessing risk. And lastly, working within limits of your competence. So again, reiterating what um, Gigi just said, you know, 
using professional judgment. You know, if you go into a situation, you've done the competencies, you're in this environment and you look at, look at the situation or look at the patient and you think, okay, I won't manage. I need to find somebody who can help. That's yeah. making a, a, a sound professional judgment or coming into work and working a few shifts there and realizing that you're now struggling. That's now making a professional judgment and also a personal judgment and making a decision and saying, okay, do you know what? This isn't working. I can't nurse to my best capacity because of how I'm feeling and I need to talk to someone. Um, assessing risks. Again, we've just mentioned that earlier. So you okay. have some nurses in America who, for example, have have stopped nursing because they're being put in, the, in an environment where they're at greater risk and they have young children. So yeah. or even that like they've be, got health complications. Yeah, I mean, but... In fairness to some wards, because I don't want it to be like a bashing of people are just being shoved places. Some in ward areas are being very specific. So if you have a health condition, then people are being signed off. Mm. If you have a chronic condition, you're not being taken to those kind of wards. And it needs to be very clear. Not every ward is pushing people, just some. Yeah. Because we don't want it to be a bash um, hierarchy. We're not trying to bash line managers. We're not trying to bash matrons because they're also in very difficult positions. Maybe they're not on the floor, so they're not feeling the effects, but they also have the pressure from the chief executives. And it, it kind of all trickles down. Everybody's feeling the ripples of what's happening. So just to make that really clear. And obviously, lastly, working within the limits of your competence. So, for example, you could have been signed off to do something, but you've never done it in actual practice before. You know, So don't just go and do it because, oh, I've been signed off to do it. If you're not happy, don't. If you need to be watched doing it, get someone to watch you do it. If you want to watch somebody do something first before you try it, do it. I Protect think... your pain at all costs. Because though from looking at the nursing medical free cancer and all the guidance they give for COVID, your pain is still your pain. And you worked really hard to get that pain. You, you know, you don't want to lose it because you thought that you understood and then you didn't understand and you made a mistake. And then you're now crying in the matron's office because you don't, things have just fallen apart. If you can prevent, so assess the risk, make a professional judgment and work within your competence, then you are being safe for yourself yeah. and you're being safe for that patient. And those are the two most important things is safety and accountability. I think this is where you need to have a mouth and be able to say, I need help. Without, like, you can't be... This is um, something that I, th I think that needs to be practised during through. You can't be a hero. You can't try and wing it. If you do not feel comfortable or you do not think you're ready to do it on your own, this is where asking for help becomes a big step. I don't know anyone who would be like that, who would say that you can't have help or they can't assist you. But if you don't stand up and say, I don't know, or I don't know how to do this, can you watch me? How is someone else supposed to know this? If you come into the ward and, you know, or the, the new setting and you, you're acting all high and mighty, people are going to assume that you can do it. Yeah, and I think this is another thing. Like whilst people are being redeployed to other places, um, and as you go up the banding system, you're, so for example, you're band six or band seven, in your own current field. Uh, people should not expect you to also live up to that standard in their fields if you do not know what you have to do. Do you get what I mean? Mm -hmm. I feel like wherever you go, you'll feel like a newly qualified nurse because yes, you've got the skills to be able to give IVABs. Um, what well, IVABs? intravenous antibiotics yes for those um, that are not medical. or cannulation like having the drips and stuff put in yes you can do all of that but 
you don't know the rationale well you should know the rationale behind it but like as in in a completely different setting or different type of ward you don't know what they do Mm. so you've got to learn a whole new way of doing things so it will feel like you're a newly qualified nurse all over again like yes you've got the skills to do it but if you've never worked in that setting how are you to know what their normal way of doing things is yeah regardless whether you're band six or band seven or band eight nine ten whoever Mm. and you're coming back to a different setting you have to be able to continue what you're doing with your with your practice, but be safe with it. There's no point, you know, like, I'm band six. I'm not going to go be band six and adults because I don't know what they do. Mm. Do you get what I mean? So I'm going to act like a band five or act like a newly qualified nurse. Mm. So I wouldn't... I wouldn't use that essential authority, you could say, mm of what I would do in peds in adults because I don't know what they do. Yeah. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. Again, it's just, yeah, working within your competence. I mean, I know in the London Trust that I work in, there's levels of care that parent patients are being categorised in and any nurses that are being moved into an adult environment are not being expected to look after a ventilator of an adult. Mm. They're just helping with basic care. They're tending to, you know, moving patients, stuff like pressure sores. Like skin um, checks and... They're not doing anything that, I guess, would jeopardise their pin, which which is safe and it's thoughtful and at least it's giving them the opportunity to still support in a difficult time but not put themselves at risk. Mm. And nursing is adaptability. You need to be adaptable, but you shouldn't be forced and I think that's where there's a fine line because they're saying be adaptable, go and help, but there's also not being put in a situation where you're so uncomfortable, you're so nervous, you're so scared, you're so worried that you can't actually do anything, you know, and that will affect your performance, it will affect your confidence. And once those kind of emotions and feelings are triggered, it can really spiral, you know, Mm. that alone in itself can drive you into a whole different situation itself and affect not just what's happening right now but your future career in nursing which is why it's so important that if people are concerned and even if you can't speak up you can send an email mm-hmm. to someone I'm sure your line manager is still your line manager even if you move I think not everybody can speak out loud and talk because nobody wants to be seen as not being a team player especially in what's happening right now I don't think anybody wants to not be a team player. Nobody wants to look like they're not pulling their weight. Yeah. And so that's why I say, like, utilise all the different channels of communication and express how you feel openly and honestly, but in a respectful and professional manner. Because even though we're in a really stressful environment and we're, you know, we're working the normal hours, but we're under pressure so much, especially if you are someone in the COVID environment, you know, the pressures are different. The time is different you know you I can't even imagine how it feels but you need to be able to to be able to kind of hone in on somebody and just have that conversation or be able to just say right this isn't working or wait I need to reevaluate this or I'm not too sure that's very very important don't lose your voice in the pandemic this no. is the time to have your voice this is the time to express yourself this is the time to make sure that when you start feeling that dip, that there's somebody there that you can go to and just say, this is the situation at hand. is very, very, very important. 
100%. But I think the outcome, like, once COVID is done, I think the outcomes might be that they might consider going back to general nursing and then and then specialising. Possibly. So those that aren't familiar, um, the branches of nursing is kind of a modern thing. The mm. traditional nurse route was you just practice general nursing. So still three years, but you kind of dipped into every branch as you trained. And then once you finished, you could choose where you wanted to specialise. So choosing the different branches would be specialising as opposed to just specialising from the very beginning, like what we do now. You yeah. pick your branch. You pick your branch and you stay with it. Because we only had like one adult placement Yeah. in our course. I don't I don't even think they're still doing that now, if I'm honest. I don't know. Even when, then, when we I get a, like... when we get a student on, we'll find out what they do. <laughs> but um, I would say, yeah, I think general could be a good way to go, just because you can then move people everywhere, and in an environment like this, you then don't have an issue of I'm only registered to do this, yeah, I'm registered to do that, so that way you can. But then at the same time, it's nice to be to work in a branch and perfect your craft in that one. Mm target market if that's the right word to use no no it's true because like for example we would like you would excel in neonates i know nothing neonates related Mm. whereas like pediatrics well mainly more a and e i'd know more than you would yeah do you get what i mean yeah so even within the specialities you still have your like denominations your niche yeah or what you want to do definitely oh what's what have we got? But we kind of really spoken about ways to de-stress at work. Yeah, we have talked about. Yeah, we have talked about that a lot, a lot in the last episode as well. I, I think it's just something lot. that we just need to hone in. Like, you you need to protect yourselves, guys. You need to look after yourselves. Like, you are paramount. We are paramount. If you don't protect yourselves and look after yourselves, how can you go out there and look after others? Mm. Like, you need to have your time, whether it's staying in your room putting some music on and thinking back to a good time so be it but you still need to protect your your mental health with all of this that's going on you can't just keep working seven days a week 24 7 it's just not safe well no one should be working seven days a week that should be that's illegal and people that like to do too much bank that's not good for you money's nice but your health is a lot especially with these times your health is wealth essentially you know, there's no point working your book shifts and then working back and then you're going to be in a hospital bed not feeling well. You can't even spend that money. It's not worth it. So you need to prioritise what's important, definitely. Um, leading on to, like, I guess I guess staff well-being is the um, issue of the fatalities of nurses. Yeah. So last week on Thursday, there was question time. And question time is a programme on the BBC and they kind of talk about prominent subjects that are going on in the UK and I guess now in the world and they have different, I'd say, professionals on and everyone kind of gives their viewpoint. Mm. So the episode last week, Thursday, had Matt, Matt Hancock on there, who is the UK Health Secretary, and it had Donna Kinnear and she is, I think, the Chief Nurse of the RCN. And RCN is the Royal College of Nursing. So it was a very interesting question time because so many questions were put to Matt Hancock and like the true politician that he is, he was so wishy-washy and really went 
all the way around the hospital but didn't really give any kind of answers um so a big issue that is arising is obviously the deaths of nurses and doctors and donna kinnair pushed and pushed asking matt hancock how many nurses have actually died how many nurses are actually unwell how many have been tested and all his answers were very vague there was no data there was no statistics and it's come to light that there actually is no data actually official data done or that he had his hands on that could clearly state this many people have passed away this many have been tested positive this many are off this many are waiting to come back and again this raises the concern and and ties in really well with the clapping for your heroes Mm. is you're clapping for your heroes the ones that are fallen the ones that are still working the ones that are trying to survive but you don't even have data of what's happening to them so how are they a priority to you yeah you know i mean weighing on this jerry like when you look at it how can the health secretary this is he's in the limelight this is his moment this is yeah. This is his department. You know, like being in school and they say the head of department. This is his moment. This how is his subject. How can you not know how many of us have, have have died from this? But yet, you still just want us to go out there. Yeah. Are we like? Do we not deserve to be cared for? Do we not deserve to be our names to be said? How is this fair? Like you can say what a number of adults, I me mean, another a number of doctors, but you're unsure but you're unsure of how many nurses. It just seems like you don't care about us. Like we're just a number. Once we die, another comes to replace us. But the issue is, is if you don't have any data and you have no statistics, how do you know how many you've got? How do you know how many are unwell? How many are self-isolating? How many are trying to come back? And what's your contingency plan? If you don't have any of the data, how can you prepare? How can you be, how can you for, try and foresee what needs to come after or what you need to essentially account for. You can't. Honestly, it's it's such a big shame. And to be honest, I think it's it's quite saddening that we're not recognised in and, that way. And again, it just shows that this whole element of we're so proud and the nurse at the bedrock, yes, we are, but we're also the flipping doormats, clearly, yeah. because you're very happy to use us when you need to use us, like now, but you can't even hold yourself accountable for what's happening to us. So if not him, then who? That's my question. Like you said, he's supposed to be our head of department. Yeah. If you don't, if you don't know yourself, then who knows? Who else is, why would anyone else care about the nurses that are dying? But yet you still want us to go out there and risk our lives and risk it all for you. And the problem is, those are numbers that some people may want to see. Maybe if the public see those numbers and see the, the data, they might then appreciate and think, my goodness, if we start losing our healthcare professionals at this alarming rate, we're going to be in an even bigger crisis. This could then reinforce the message of staying home. You know, it's all a knock-on effect, but if you're not starting in the right place, the impact is lost, completely lost. It's just such a big shame that had to come out like this well to be honest there was no time it was going to come out but it's like you're just not like you're not keeping tabs you don't know we'll come back to it eventually yeah i mean when he was the question was put to him how many have passed or some have passed 
you know, some as if he's buying oranges. Oh yeah, I bought some oranges. Like you need to be specific. You need numbers. This is the reason why you're earning so much. This is the reason why you're getting all these bonuses. This is the reason why you have two houses. This is the reason why you go and cut ribbon because you're supposed to have the information at hand. Even if you need your PA to do it, know the numbers, crunch the numbers. In a crisis like this, your job is the hospitals, your job is healthcare. What are you doing? It's embarrassing. It's actually very embarrassing. It's like going to a ward and look, going to the nursing um, station and looking at the board and every patient has a nurse allocated and looking for the nurse and saying to the nurse, tell me about your patient. And they don't know anything. Nothing. It's embarrassing. Same as Matt Hancock. Because essentially, we are all his patients. As the nurses, if I want to put it, if I'm going to put it in that way. Yeah. You know, he is our, the big, big, big boss. His business is health. And if he doesn't even know what's happening with bits of his department, it makes you worry on an overall scale. What does Matt Hancock actually worry about? Or what does he know? No, he knows how Boris is. Like, I'm not coming for his job because I, I wouldn't want it. But what about us, the essential little people? No, we're not little. We're big. We're big, but we're in a society where they're so used to just treading on us and they're so used to us just taking what they do to us that it's a continual, I guess, an abuse of position because anybody knows a nurse cannot strike because we have a, big, a duty a of big, care. Big shame. You know, we can't because if you if you strike, the patients are going to suffer and then you're going against your duty of care. So, you know, they know that. There's always a need for nurses. So you're always going to have nurses coming in. Even though the applications fall, people still enrol, people still apply. And that's what is so amazing. People still want to come into this amazing profession. But the care for nurses doesn't change. It almost gets worse. We always get treated like essential crap. To and an extent, that's and the reason shame. why people don't respect nurses, and only now are they respecting them because they're now seeing only respect what's happening. Because we're putting ourselves on the firing line. Because before coronavirus came, people were still, like for example, on the wards, parents were coming to you to shout, parents were coming to complain. The same for me. Parents always come to the nursing station. When will my child be seen? When will my mum? When will my mum be seen? Why, like, why do you guys not have enough staff? Why do you not have enough doctors? Why do you, why is there only three nurses? Blah, 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 blah. You make us, you like, you treat us badly. You guys don't even, like, they, people don't even wonder what it makes us feel like. And now we're coming, we're coming onto this. An even bigger hurdle mm. that we are trying our best to get through. And now people are seeing the value of our worth. So what happens once coronavirus is over? But, but the thing you need to understand is... People's perception is role modelled by the government. And, boy, let's see what happens. the government are now saying how important we are. Now people think we're important. Let's see what happens. I just feel like it's going to do a complete 360. Well, yes, we're going to be... We're so important right now. Billboards everywhere. Thank you, NHS. Thank you, heroes. Thank you, nurses. Thank you, doctors. So... I think it's going to push people over the edge. I mean, in thanking us, the question on every, I think, nurse's mind is, run me my money. So... If you're thanking me and telling me I'm doing such a good job and how integral I am to society and how I'm the backbone of the NHS and right now I'm doing everything to kind of save people's lives, where is the pay packet to show that? But yet, MPs have been given a 10 grand 
increase because they are now working from home. So hold on. So so we skipped a bit. So Matt Hancock came out and said, this is not the time to talk about pay rises for nurses. This was this week. L. So that's what he says. It's not the time to talk about it. Okay, so he's just taken that topic. He's put it in the file and he's put it at the back of the cupboard. It's not the time, guys. Okay. But then I think yesterday it came out that MPs are being given an extra 10,000, I think they can claim, for gas, for electric, I think for internet, to support them working from home. Okay? I think it's disgusting. So, again, you're clapping for people, telling them how great they are, you know, you're openly praising them, you're clap- getting the public to now clap every Thursday so they appreciate them. But you're giving yourselves a pay rise. You're not giving any kind of incentive to the nurses right now to keep them going, at least. People still have to pay rent. People still have to, still have to pay mortgages. Yes, there's all of this that's been said, but they've still got to do their normal day-to-day stuff. I mean, no, that's not my issue because we are still being paid. Pay more. Yeah. Pay more, give more, because you can now see how much we're needed you can now see the work that we do. You can now see how invaluable we are. You can now see that the cuts you've made are now the cost of the suffering. So if you can see all those things and they're black and white and they're right in your face, why not do something about it? Being- Even if it's temporary, but do something, show that you care, but you give yourself a pay rise. Now, the government that are... Um, governing UK are the Conservative government. And in, I think it was June 2017, they blocked a salary increase for public sector workers, so nurses. And this was applauded by them. And again, it's very important to put it out there. We're not a political podcast. So we're not here to kind of now start saying this party supports nurses and this party supports NHS and we support this person. No, it's not about that. But it's very clear that the government that we're in... They need us for the work, but they don't want to pay us. That's just it. You know, they want us to to base, essentially clean up the mess due to their lack of preparation, due to their lack of organisation, with very little money. But they don't want to refund us for the hard work. They don't want to refund us for the fact that we're still earning just a bit more than a cleaner and we're not really feeling the effects of that we're still busting our bums and you lot are sitting at home in your constitu- in your constituency houses giving yourselves more money i know this i know we're not talking about how much we get paid per hour or well that's because we're still talking about what we need to do you know how much a newly qualified nurse gets per hour who's been contracted what like 12 12 pounds 12 pounds an hour a pound for every hour. Literally. Literally. And it'll be interesting because I feel like in other countries, nurses are upheld a bit more. They're more respected. Oh, 100%. But in the United Kingdom, they're just, not. We're just treated like pants. It's not. No, it's not that. You're, you're a staple part of society. Like they people You're needed. Me. They want you. But... That's a need, so it's never going to go away. People can walk all over you, but, you know, they can't... People can walk all over you, but you still have a job to do. You still have to accept 
the things that get thrown at you. Honestly, let's see what happens after coronavirus is done. Because it's just, let's just see. Let's see if all the things that people are saying will come to, come to pass. But I would say, like, understandably, people are outraged, you know, hearing the health secretary kind of rubbish the talk of of pay it is upsetting because you kind of think goodness like how long is this going to go on for you know all this appreciation but in the long run how does it affect us and these are all the right questions that we do need to ask they're very very important because at the end of the day we are the workforce if you look at all the other industries we're the ones still standing and we're also showing that in every situation we are always going to be the ones still standing you know regardless and we need a health secretary who's interested and a health secretary who can see that and openly admit the wrongs that have been made. And who's on our side. Yeah, someone that can at least say, yeah, I understand, I get it. Which is why I'm kind of happy Boris is in a London hospital. Boris is in an environment where he can see nurses and doctors mm-hmm. and people running around. Because maybe that's what he needs to understand the temerity of what's happening to see the nurse's plight, to see how difficult it is to be in a high-pressure environment for 12 hours and nurse to the best of your ability and give 110% when you are stressed, when you haven't eaten, when you haven't gone to the toilet in five hours, when you're hot and sweaty because you're covered in PPE, or if you don't have any PPE and you're going into those patients. Maybe he needed to be in that environment to better understand it because I think the reason why people are struggling to stay at home is because they're not in the environment. You're, it's like, how can I say it? Like, you're not in it, but you're in it. So you you know you're in an environment where people are getting sick, but you're not in it personally, so you don't have first-hand experience. But I think that's, like, going back to what we said earlier about people won't recognise what's truly happening until people close to them or, like, their immediate families... No, or them, themselves. Or themselves. So you're in a situation yourself where you're not well. ...are dying from this or getting so unwell that you need to come into hospital. Yeah. People aren't seeing the realness that's actually happening. People are still going for walks, still doing what they need to do and not realising, like, yeah, if I go meet Jane, Jackie, Jim and Jones for a drink in someone's house and not know the detrimental effects that could have, like, two to three weeks later, what's going to happen? Yeah. Do you get what I mean? Because think about it. We know that this... This virus takes about 14 days before you get sicker, yeah? So the people that were out two weeks ago living their best lives are the ones that we're seeing now. So the ones that are still doing it, we're going to see them in two weeks' time. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. It's just a big shame that it's had to come to this for people to see our true worth. But prior to that, we're all just comfortable. But at the same time... Sometimes you need something so big to expose an ongoing issue. Sometimes things need to shock just so that it's understood that, wow, okay, this is really a problem that we've been ignoring, that we've not been paying attention to. Yeah. And now we it really needs our attention and that really needs our time. But it's a shame it has to be something so catastrophic and devastating to unearth the questions, to unearth 
the processes and the thoughts of, oh my God, okay, this is so bad. What are we going to do? Yeah. Kind of thing. Um, so our nursing workforce. So I think we, you talked about redeployment on the last episode, didn't we? Yeah, we went quite in depth about it. Yeah. So of course now we've found that a lot of nurses are moving around and they're kind of settling in to their posts now. So we'd love to hear from nurses who have been redeployed. Feel free to email us, and DM us. a picture us. in your new environment would be great so we can put you up on the Instagram. Yeah. And just giving us like, like an idea of like what you're doing, how it's been, how your team is, how long you're expected to be there. Um, and just like a general, like, yeah, like feel of what's going on for you and how you're feeling. Yeah. And even some student nurses, because... We've had a student nurse who started yesterday who she basically says, well, she's going to be with us for the next six months and that they're going to be paid as band fours. Like how, if we've got any student student nurses that are listening, how are you guys feeling if you have decided to embark on that role and, you know, <laughs> step onto that that platform? Is that, is that a corona cough? I don't have corona. I don't have it. We're, we're sitting two metres apart, just to put that out there, because, yeah, she really coughed. It's not a coronal cough. That's not a coronal cough. Okay. Hay fever is about, it's killing me at this moment in time. Mm-hmm. You and me both. Hay fever and tiredness. Guys? Guys, yeah. And I think that's also another thing that's, I think, starting to get people really stressed out, is because we're in British summertime, and we're getting into the season of, like, hay fever... People are getting frightened to sneeze being outside because people look at them like they're walking around with spreading germs. It's okay mm. to sneeze if you have hay fever. It's okay to rub your eyes. This is a normal time of the year and people need to appreciate that. Yes, I know to say that because people are staring at people and almost looking at them like that they're carrying the plague. When they're not, it's just common hay fever. And they're forgetting that... With the virus going on, there is still going to be other things happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. And also, that's another thing that people need to remember, that if you're a healthcare professional or you're not, the fact that other people are coming into the hospital for other things... Still exist. Like, yes, they've cut down on, like, on like clinics and um, non-emergency surgeries and stuff, but people are still having to attend for, like, dialysis and treatments for other ailments and certain things. Yes, having babies. Having babies. Oh, but I did hear that, like, pregnant women can't come in with partners anymore, so they're delivering on their own, which I think Depends. is quite sad. So it's, that's a trust-dependent policy. Oh, is that's it? not a government policy. Okay. So depending on the hospital that women are choosing to deliver their children at, they're making up the rules as, as they see fit for infection purposes. That makes sense. Yeah, so it's not... Yeah, that's not everywhere. It's just some places. Yeah. Yeah. But the big thing that really bothers me that I've seen on a few of the nursing um, platforms that I look into, the use of social media at work. So on one of the nursing Instagram pages that I follow, someone made a comment saying, you guys are all doing these TikToks and stuff, but my granddad's dying in hospital. Let me put this out there. We are human. And with what's going on, you still need to have a break, smile and have a laugh. We're human just like the rest of you. So it's only fair that we also do these things. And these things are being done in break times. Obviously, you can't have the whole department off at one time. But depending on how big your department is or how how many staff members there are, 
it may be facilitated that you have a few people off together at one time. It's not it's not even that though, like you see what I'm seeing as nurses, we're even justifying taking a break from the environment. Because you know, we should be in PPE all day, every day. The, re- slaving the away. reality is nurses are always gonna have the patient's need as the priority. No one's gonna walk away and start dancing to a video when a patient's like flatlining. It's not going to happen. You know? Nurses can also walk away and take a break. And that's why I say like the media's so negative because mm. not everything is sad on the ward. No. You have patients recovering, you have patients leaving ICU and going back to general wards. You have patients that are walking out of hospital well, patients that are recovering. But we don't but because see there's that. so much negativity, I kind of feel like when people see videos like that, they kind of think, gosh, there's so much people are dying. How can you dance? I think that's how, how people can see you it. smile. How can you pose for this picture? But we are human, just like everyone else. You're telling me that in your line of work, if you didn't take a break, or have a time to or have time to breathe and have a drink. That's okay. I don't think so. So I don't understand why people think healthcare can't can't take breaks, can't smile, can't do what other people do. Like it's not just everyone is saying there's higher coronavirus, and you think we're not. Mm. You think that we don't have other things that we'd want to be doing with our time, or you don't think that there's other things that we'd want. To to act on mm. we are still a team we have to keep ourselves going and if it means having a joke with a colleague then so be it i'm not gonna sit here and apologize for taking pictures or doing certain things like you said diane if you've got a patient that's deteriorating obviously that's not gonna be the time that people are doing this mm. you act accordingly and also as well the nurses who are listening and also the doctors and the other healthcare professionals that are tuning in right now, you know that your teams are like your family. You spend most of your time with these people. like More time than your actual so family. So you have the banter, you have the fun, you have the play. You know, <laughs> you're probably snapping each other all the time together. So this is nothing different. It's just been more in the limelight because we're in a crisis and it's almost been labelled that, gosh, it's so everything's so bad, it's so bad, it's so bad. And let there be some good in the bad. And I think that's that's what I'm saying. That's why I feel like because there's so much negativity, people expect everybody to be shrouded in negativity. No. I'm it's sorry. almost like a given. Like, how can you smile and be happy when people are, like, dropping dead? Yes, no one is saying they're not dying. But you don't know how nurses deal with things. You don't know how no. nurses cope. That's an outlet for a nurse. If that's how we cope, that's how we deal with things. The same way, when you were busy and... Other people are stressed at their other work, at their own fields of work. No one's snapping their fingers saying, come on, get back to work. You shouldn't be taking a break. Yeah, it's like people that are high flyers, you know, banking, business, whatever. Their outlet can be drinks on a Friday. There's nothing, no one stands up and, and says anything there's no wrong video with that. or Snapchat being put up 24-7. Oh my God, why are they, they should be crunching numbers. Like, why are they going out having a drink? Why they want a team away day? Why they, that everybody's outlet is so much different. And again, patient safety is always a priority. And as Gigi said, nurses are still people. They 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 have an identity apart from being a nurse, and they're allowed to express themselves how they see fit. So I feel like I haven't personally watched these TikTok videos, but 
I mean, if they're not hurting anybody, why not? You're allowed to smile. It's like with everything that's in the media, you'd never hear the positive of what's happening. Like Diane said about people getting better, leaving ICU, leaving the hospital. We don't hear those things. All we hear is the amount of people that have died, the deaths in the last 24 hours, the deaths in the other countries. Like, we are one community, nursing here, wherever, all over the world. We are still one community. And we, should, like, we shouldn't be scrutinised for taking a break. Like, prior to all of this, like, coronavirus and all that going on, like, I know if I spoke to non, non-nursing friends and, like, non-healthcare friends, they'd be like, oh, like, how was work? Blah, you say it was busy and, you know, you didn't get a chance to take a break. How can you have not taken a break? Like, you have to have it. Well, if, I've got my pa- if my patients are dying, how can I take a break then? Mm. Do you get what I mean? But now, like, yes, you know, you're doubling up in numbers where you can, and there is a chance that I can re- I can sit back for a bit and rest. Mm. I'm going to take that opportunity, because I know that when that sick patient comes, at least I've taken my break, and I'm not... And it's all hands on deck when, yeah. when a sick patient comes in. Everybody's involved. Everyone's supporting everybody. And you're a team, and that's... That's a very big thing that needs to be reiterated, that healthcare professionals are teams. And that's why we probably have one of the best healthcare services in the world because of the people. Yeah. You know, everybody works so hard. And even from the administrator to the cleaner, to the nurse, to the the consultant, everybody as a collective is so strong. And that's where our strength is. It's in people and yeah. togetherness. And that sense of family and that sense of caring for one another, which is why to see members of the public ridicule nurses for enjoying themselves, it it brings it back to how society sees nurses. You just do. You do because you have to. Don't don't care about your feelings. Don't care about what's going on for you. Don't care about your mental health. You need to do this. And that's why Mm -hmm. the narrative has to change. The narrative has has to be rewritten. Yeah, because I think back to like, pre-coronavirus times and say you've got a long wait to see a doctor but they see the nurses are sitting why are you sitting no one is seeing my 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 family member blah 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 but that's not I've done my job we've done what we can for you Mm. we've made you comfortable prepped what the doctor needs done your bloods blah 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 you do have to wait I'm sorry Mm. if you see us sitting down it's not because, you know, we're just taking a random break and just leaving you there. No. There's, mm. there's, the way, there's a way that things work and people don't just don't seem to get it. Well, they'll get it now. 100%. And it's funny, looking at, like, the reduction in att- any attendances and things like that is very evident that people now know when to use the service. Oh, yeah. People are now aware of what needs to come in and what doesn't need to come in, which means people know what to do. They just choose not to do it. However, the thing that I will stress, if you do feel like, you know, you're suffering from difficulty in breathing or shortness of breath and things like that, I urge you to go and seek medical attention. Please don't stay home thinking that, you know, you don't want to come to hospital because you've got anxiety about it. Like, we're still here to do what we need to do to help you, to help everyone do not suffer in silence because at the end of the day, people do not want to lose you. You do not want to die from something that could have been pre- could have been prevented. Because mm. a lot of other people who aren't us, I guess, uh, are still speaking to me and they're like, oh yeah, like, I've been coughing all night long, I've been doing this, I've been doing that. 
And the one thing I stress to them is, please, if you feel like your situation is deteriorated, please, please, please go and seek medical help. But then the thing that they come back with is that, oh, I'm so afraid to come to a hospital because I don't want to catch it. If I'm honest, you're more likely to catch it in a supermarket. Well, not even that. That's why you have a GP. Find out what your GP service is doing. My point exactly, like... You like there are these places like you've got pharmacy, you've got pharmacies you can go to. You've got you can still contact your GPs. Your GPs are not closed; they are open. They are just doing telephone consultations. If they need to see you, they will tell you to come in. You've got them. You've got one one one. Like there's other avenues besides coming to the hospital. So please do not stay home because you you're too anxious or too afraid to come in because you think you're going to get it. If you need to come in. So be it. We are here. We're waiting for you. We're waiting. We're here to help you. Do not risk it all because, you know, of sheer anxiety or what the place may be like. Mm. I think that's probably like one of the biggest things that we're getting now because people aren't coming in because they're too afraid of essentially catching it. Mm. So they're just staying at home and then they're deteriorating so much more than they need to. Mm. So please, if you are having certain issues and you do not feel well, please seek medical advice. And even if the symptoms have nothing to do with viral symptoms that like are respiratory, like you generally just don't feel well like anybody would, that's also okay. It's okay not to feel well. I feel like this virus has impacted a lot of people who generally wouldn't feel well, would normally need to access those kind of services, but feel like they can't. Because yeah. they're not as important or their sickness is not as important. You know, if you're not well, you, you're a citizen of this country, you pay your taxes, access the service. Don't feel shy because you think, oh, if they're dealing with so much, little old me, like, let me just suffer in the corner. Because if you don't care about yourself, no one's going to care about yourself. And no one can come into your house to look for you, essentially. Yeah. So you need to be proactive in making sure that you're attentive to your health and you're aware of how you feel, and like Gigi said, access the necessary services accordingly. Find out what your GP is doing, find out what your urgent healthcare centre is doing, and do what you need to do for yourself. And I think this is where, like, FaceTime and WhatsApp video calls, Zoom, Skype, house party also comes in. Like, please remember to contact people. Obviously, you can't go and see them as you would like to, but you're still getting in contact with people just to make sure they're okay. Mm. and check up on your friends, your family. That's probably going to be the easiest way. Mm -hmm. So talking about family and um, the teamwork in the NHS, we just wanted to obviously like close our episode shining light on the fallen medical professionals who have lost, not lost the battle, but lost their fight with corona through you know contracting it and falling unwell um as we have touched on there is an issue in terms of the data and statistics of how many at the moment and i i'm sure Gigi will agree that mm. every day the number ever increases or, or you you hear this person you hear about that person so it's definitely like the toll unfortunately isn't stopping or reducing i think no. it's still going um for us on the podcast, it's very important for us to recognise our our team members. Yeah. And they're not just, you know, a number, they're people. They've got families, they've got 
they've got families just like the rest of us and who are also mourning now yeah and we've heard a lot from of the families coming out in statements and friends and colleagues attesting to these people's hard work and dedication Mm. not just to the cause at present but to nursing and medicine in general and how much they've been advocates for health Mm. so we just wanted to just shout those people out yeah so yeah take it away so the first person we've got is dr alpha saudu um dr habib zaidi dr amjad el harani Dr. Abdul Chowdhury. Dr. Edmund Adadeji. Dr. Fayez Ayache. Dr. Jitendra Rathod. Dr. Anton Sebastian Pillar. Professor Mohammed Shausa. And now um, on to our nurses. So um, Alice Ong. Rebecca Mack. Glenn Corbin. Liz Glanister. Arima Nazreen. Lindsay Coventry, and she was the midwife that passed. Um, Amy O'Rourke. Thomas Harvey. And this is, I think the last one is a father and daughter death, Pooja and Sadir Sharma. Yeah, and they were... Bless you. And they were pharmacists that have... Um, they were pharmacists that both died a day apart. So, so we just want to remember them and remember the rest of our healthcare professionals who have been taken on well with this and wish them a speedy recovery throughout this time. And for again, like we say at the end of every episode, that we're contactable and reachable at any time. Mm-hmm. Um, um, direct messages are always open. Um, hi to our new followers on Instagram. We're really happy to have you and welcome you to um, the Nursing Handover family. Um, we love your messages. We love your questions. We love your interest. We love the passion that you have for nursing, be it you're a healthcare professional, you're just someone that wants to support um, their profession or is just really interested. We're, we're so happy that we're reaching people on a daily basis. Yeah, and on different avenues. Like, it's not just nursing, midwifery and medicine that we're reaching. We're reaching so many other people. Like, loads of my friends and family who have nothing to do with this have listened. I'm guessing you could say the same. So please, please, please keep spreading the word and keep sharing our podcast. Um, and I'll definitely say, um, keep the conversation alive, keep it fresh and keep it passionate. Always, always express yourselves. And like we, like I'm saying again, just keep in contact. If there's anything that people really want discussed, we're more than happy to send our episodes on certain topics if people bring them to light don't be shy yeah and feel free to like like dd said feel free to hit us up on our personal instagrams and diane's is at dd lutz and mine is at jellybean and also hit us up on the nursing handover podcast instagram and also our email address which i always get wrong no you don't get it wrong you always think you do but you don't so is it the next there's one that i always get wrong um but yeah, hit us up on our email address also, which is the nursing handover at gmail.com. Yeah, you always get it right. And yeah, so email, actually use the email because it's open and ready and waiting for all of you to just let us know what you need and what you feel and any questions. Um, we'll try our, our hardest to answer it. And if we don't have the answers, we'll try and steer you to the best place to find those answers. 
and please keep using or keep looking and keep looking at like your other nursing forums there's quite a few on instagram and uh, yeah yes i want to shout out ask nurse yeah. yvette join in with her lives follow the content it's motivating it's inspiring and it's another community of nurses that are coming together to motivate protecting one another and encouraging so definitely tune in to ask nurse yvette you're doing an amazing job and a few others as well nurseology nurse, nurse chat. chat yeah those are the main three i can off the top of my head yes and i've also seen some some student nurse forums so any student nurses yeah student nurse a, abby yeah yeah and there's a few others i've forgotten the names i'm really bad sorry guys but um but yeah we, we see you we see we you. see you we we're see looking you. we're learning new things with you so the yeah. stuff you're sharing is helping us so yeah together as a team we will continue to grow guys so catch us next time hopefully we'll keep coming back we'll see what happens yes but take care and hope you guys enjoy this episode please hit us up with some feedback like we're happy to hear from you guys yeah so guys we'll see you next week see you next week bye, bye.